Welcome to the What's Your Weird Story podcast. Everyone has at least one good story. And some of us have stories that are just to the left of normal. We're interested in the ones that push the boundaries of what we can perceive. Stories that defy explanations. Stories with an air of mystery. Stories we might not share. For fear of being thought of differently. But don't worry. We're all friends here. So, what's what's your your weird story? Hello, Weirdsville! Welcome to the What's Your Weird Story podcast. Welcome to our part two of our hundredth episode festival extravaganza. I'm your host, Barry Johnston. With me, as always, my friend Adam Beebe. Hello, Adam. Hello. Hello, Barry. And also joining us is our counter counterpart. <laughs> Mr. Jeff Hubbard. How are you, Jeff? Hey, man. I am great. Thank you guys for the invite to this 100th episode blowout. I know I'm a little late, but I've been pre-partying, so I'm I'm now up to speed with you guys. Good, good, good. uh, Yeah, it's great to be here. It's great to be a part of this this festival, this uh, celebration. Yeah, you came in at the right time. You came in at the right time. Yeah, you sure did come in at the right time because we got something that's definitely up your alley, and we've uh, we'll want your opinion on it. After uh, you know, we'll have a discussion afterwards, and I'm sure uh, all of our uh, keen-eyed listeners or keen-eared listeners will know what that's all about. Uh, but we'll, we'll get to that shortly. How you been, Hub? Oh man, uh, things are good. Just uh, you know, still coping with uh, the the ever-growing numbers of COVID and, and just hoping that my car doesn't get pulled. You know, it's a little bit scary leaving the house every day, I'd say. But uh, we're getting through it. We're, we're trying, to, uh, trying to carry on with life as, uh, as normal as, as possible. But uh, other than that, things are great, man. Good. Uh, having a great summer so yeah. far. Fantastic, man. Have you uh, any new, uh, have you accumulated any new uh, Bigfoot information or stories? And, uh... Uh, you know, I, I might have uh, might have come across a few things. Uh, I'm going to kind of keep under my uh, vest for now, but maybe might discuss later on in the show. Yeah, we'll go into that later. Very good. Yeah, very good. I'm excited. I'm assuming the laughter means something. Uh, <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, it's always good to have you. And yeah, we're we're kind of um, yeah, we're just kind of continuing, um, you know, from where we left off with the last episode, and we're trying to uh, put together something for you guys, a little something, a little fun for everybody. Give you a couple snippets of some stories that we've been uh, sitting on and uh, cultivating over the last oh gosh, at least a year that we've been uh, having this this idea of what are we going to do whenever it gets to this point. So yeah, so that's kind of where we're at, and that is uh, kind of the lead into our first story and our first storytellers 
who are, again, these two folks, we love them so much. They've given us so much in, in, in way of their time and in way of the great stories that they tell. But we got Chad and Alta again uh, coming back, and, and we're going to get into some – Hub, this is kind of – this is your territory, man. We're going to get into the Bigfoot story Matt. that they've got. Yes. I can't. It's been too long, guys. I, I can't wait to hear this story. Yeah, it's a right. good one. Yeah, it is. Let's get into it. Chad and Alta, what's your weird story? Do you mind sharing once we got the motor home and took off our, our first uh, Bigfoot Sasquatchy up in the mountain? Yeah, so we get, to, we get to this. Of course, you know, everything's flat on the map. So, you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't realize. <laughs> you don't know Ohio has a mountain. Yeah, so I didn't realize that this uh, RV park was like up on this Very mountain. So we finally get up there. And uh, we get, you know, set up and all that. Uh, we, uh, we 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 make dinner, you know, some, you know, we make a fire and, you know, grow some hot dogs and macaroni, macaroni and cheese and, you know, chips all and all that, you know, kind of good, healthy stuff, you know. And the candies. And uh, so. Chocolates. Right before uh, it was starting to get a little dark so i'm like well let me take we had two different dogs at that point uh a little red healer and a aussie uh, uh shepherd also uh yeah uh, mix you know so they're 35 40 pound dogs this is about 2012 yeah okay. so i take them and i mean it's dark i mean there's yeah. you know it's, there's you know it's, there's a couple of like little lamps or you know, street lamps, but not much. So I walk the dogs down the road a little bit, you know, let them get their nightly walk. And so I get, we start coming back and I get like right there by the uh, motorhome. And all of a sudden I call it a grunt snort. It's like, <clears throat> and it was crazy. The dog stopped and looked. I turned and looked, didn't see anything. I'm like, crap. So, you know, <laughs> well, I, did, I, I said something maybe a little bit more. Uh, you know, I'm like, what was that? First you know, you in my mind. It. First you yeah. said it, then he did it. So, yeah, right. <laughs> so, like, so, you know, and the, the dogs. And the girls you know, want in. Yeah, the dogs are like, you know, they, they, they you know, you'd <laughs> think that if it was like a, Coon or something yeah. or whatever, you know, or whatever it was that they'd be wanting to investigate. Nope, they were ready to get back in the house just as as much as I was. Mm-hmm. I get inside and I'm like, out, out, out. I just mistake. heard this. I just, yeah, my first mistake. <laughs> so I'm like, something just grunt snorted at me. I said it was. <clears throat> and I'm like, and the dogs are looking. Yeah. And she goes, oh my. God, it's Sasquatchy. It's Sasquatchy. He goes, we got to give him an offering. Yeah. And I'm like, huh? Yeah, let's make him a plate. So I'm like, oh, Old Indian wise tail. Right. You know, I'm like, oh, Jesus. So that means I have to go back out, you know. With- <laughs> so, That's the we part. Yeah, we. Yeah. We, we is in here. I'll hand this plate to you and you go. 
So she makes she makes a hot dog and you know macaroni and cheese and some potato chips and uh, we had like these little jelly cinnamon jelly things that are you know have the sugar on them and everything and chocolates and chocolates yeah. you know, plate big plate yeah. you know so I take it outside and there was like this uh, fallen tree right outside our bedroom uh, uh, window I'm like well you know. Maybe we'll hear something if, you know, it comes to get this plate. <laughs> and I said it where, you know, if anything non-intelligent would find it or whatever, that it would fall over, you know, because the tree wasn't you that. tried to kind of trick yeah, it Yeah, kind of kind of make a trap or whatever out of it. So I, I set it on the, um, on the tree, get back my but back in the uh, motorhome. And so, you know, we go to bed, we go to sleep. I mean, I I wouldn't even, all of a sudden I hear this, tap, 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 wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Gotta go. And it was the next morning. Early. Got, yeah, early. I'm like, you got, gotta go check the plate. Gotta go check the plate. <laughs> like Christmas. It was Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Santa Claus is here. Yeah. yeah. Santa Claus Christmas. came. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, okay. I, oh, he was not that nice. Yeah. I get up, <laughs> go outside. The plate is still sitting there on the log. Nice. Everything was all gone off of it, clean. Clean. There was no like little paw prints or anything like that. That's the only great. thing that was still on the plate were those little cinnamon jelly things. Apparently, they don't like those cinnamon jellies. Uh, yeah. Wow. But, I mean, there was no tracks. You would think if it was a dog or a coon or something, they would knock the plate over. There would be, like, a mess. you know. Clean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was no kind Not of. Not crumb. Right. Wow. Wow. Damn. That is interesting because, to me, like, I when you said the cinnamon things, I immediately I was like, oh, I bet you know, I bet a, a Sasquatch probably wouldn't go for a cinnamon. They go for the hot dog because that's some mystery meat. They go for the potato chips because they're salty, and you know, and everybody likes salty stuff, you know. But uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know if they would like the the cinnamon stuff because cinnamon, you know, they're I mean, like, and could you imagine Pottsboro, something like that, Ohio, no something idea. like that? I can't remember. Hmm. Or there's a small or Waverly, Waverly. Hmm. Waverly, Ohio. Something you ever like heard of that. Waverly, Ohio? That's where we work. Yeah. Wow. So we go and do our show, and then at the end, we we start talking to the lady that owned the RV park. And the mountain. Now, she, her and her family had owned this RV park. She grew up there. She lived there all of her life. It was you her know, daddy's good old Right. It was her daddy's place, and she took it over when her parents passed and she's and, married to a man who is a prison guard at the prison at the bottom of the mountain right so we start you know talking to her and stuff and you know telling her what she goes yeah she goes you know uh the the, the bigfoot hunters you know were all up here last week or last month or something like show. that the tv wow. show Bobo and all them she said we but they've been you know they they were all over here filming filming wow. and, and tracking and all that so yeah. we're like we're like and so we tell her the story and then a couple of days later where we go and take the dogs for a walk and we could hear, hear something right in the woods the woods were probably pretty thick 
and but you could kind of and we but we could not see anything. But it was it, very. We would, word for we, it. we could hear something walking, you know, like it was walking, you know, the same direction we were. In the woods. Big steps. We would stop, and it would stop. We could kind of hear this like chatter, mm-hmm. like almost very. I felt like I was hearing like mamas and children. Yeah. But not in English. Yeah, right. it was mm-hmm. English. It was this crazy weird chatter. And so that kind of that followed us all the way. Yeah, that followed us all the way. And, and the girls noticed it. Yes, yeah, the know, dogs would. These you know, are little shepherds. Respond. You know, these are herding dogs. So all animals are very keen, I think, for the most part. But the idea that these these babies were very tuned into that kind of stuff, and they were not particularly interested in them either. They just seemed to want to get home. Yeah, yeah. Finally, we just kind of yeah. The chatter around. didn't make them a whole lot happier either. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so that was a very, wow. very intense, crazy experience. Wow. Nuts fun. And they're on top of that little whatever mountain in Ohio. Hey guys, it's Brandy from episode 46, where I became a mud poop person. And I just wanted to say. Happy 100th episode. Congratulations on the milestone and keep up the weird work. Bye. Well, thank you, uh, Chad and Alta. We always love a Bigfoot story, and that was a really cool one. A nice short one, but still really cool. And uh, we're uh, really happy that we have our resident Bigfoot expert here with us today. And, uh, you know, special correspondent and voice of the listener, Mr. Jeff Hubbard. What are your thoughts? Enlighten us. Well, you know, uh, for the most part, it's it, it kind of sounds like a typical, you know, Bigfoot encounter. Uh, aside from the fact that, you know, on, you know, two different occasions over the span of it sounds like a couple days, you know, they had a run-in with a Bigfoot, uh, possibly, and uh, I thought that was pretty interesting to have a possible run-in one evening and then the next day be back in the, in the same area or maybe a little bit away and also then kind of kind of run into them again. You know, I, I really don't know what the layout of the area looks like there, but from from what they said, it's uh, I don't know how remote it is, but it it is a mountain mountainous area in Ohio, and they also did mention that uh, you know some type of Bigfoot research organization had been there the week before they were, which kind of leads us to believe that there probably is some type of Bigfoot activity, mm-hmm. you know, in the area, and and more than just. Uh, you know, their run-in. There's right. been some previous encounters. So, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking about that, and when they mentioned that the uh, that the Bigfoot researchers had been there the week before, it kind of made me think that, you know, when we were at the Bigfoot Festival a couple of years ago, and and we heard one of the the experts speak on the subject, you know, as far as uh, people's questions as to why Bigfoot has, you know, no 
conclusive video footage or, you know, really photographic evidence of, you know, that aside from Patterson Gremlin and, and, you know, a few of the others that, but still there's, there's no proof. There's, there's no conclusive definitive proof out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of made me think about what that Bigfoot expert said about possibly big feet being able to pick up on certain, I don't know, electromagnetic waves or some kind of signals that are given off by electronic equipment. Mm-hmm. And so having this Bigfoot research team in the area the week before, uh, you know, and you've seen those shows where there's always a teaser, but there's really never a climax, you know. Mm-hmm. They'll say, you know, we, they never get any any video proof, but there's video cameras out there. So it kind of made me think, with the, if Bigfoot does have some kind of extra sensory power to detect these types of radiation or things that are given off by electronic devices that maybe while the Bigfoot researchers were there the week before the Big Feet kind of left the area and with the absence of those guys maybe came back Mm -hmm. to the area, you know, after they left. And so I thought about it too. And I thought, you know, that they had talked to the owner of that RV park where they had the first run in the first night. And, uh, she had mentioned that she had owned owned that park pretty much. It sounded like it was really her only job, and that maybe mm-hmm. she inherited that park from her father. Right. Which kind of, and she's an old lady herself, so that kind of led me to believe that most likely that RV park had been in that spot for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking about that, and... I kind of thought about Yogi Bear from uh, the cartoons <laughs> and and how he lives, you know, in Jellystone and, and he's always looking for picnic baskets. Right. And he came to associate uh, a place where people camp and and picnic and and park as a place to probably find food. Right. So I would imagine with with Bigfoot uh and real in the woods real bears do that as well i mean and you know we know that <laughs> <laughs> real bears right exactly real, well food. real bears do that <laughs> not just you <yet. laughs> so i thought you know as long as that park has been there you know a family of big feet or you know big feet in the area have probably come to associate that area as a place where they can get mm-hmm. food mm-hmm. so uh well, that you know, makes sense. About- Sorry to interrupt, but that oh, makes no. sense. And um, when you think about how, with uh, Becky was talking about when in her story about how she's the big the Sasquatch uh, creatures, the or the big, big feet, um, they came to uh, Concho because or to the that the casino area because they knew that there was food refuse there and that's why the one stuck its hand in the grease trap and right. cause it smelled like food but yeah so that makes sense uh, that makes sense to me yeah that, that they're out there yeah it does makes great sense so uh, you know and and also the way his dogs reacted 
you know, he was out with the dogs. I don't know if he recognized that the dogs were, were acting skittish before he heard the grunt from, you know, or the, uh, I forget what he called it, a grunt uh, blow or something like mm-hmm. that from the from the Bigfoot. But, you know, as we heard from Shan, and I, I don't know what episode it was, but uh, we heard that his buddy's dog that was present at the at the time of his encounter was just going, you know, ape shit, crazy. And and they, yeah. they didn't know why at the time. So I would imagine, yeah, that uh, and they mentioned more than once the way, you know, that they could tell their dogs were not acting normal, uh, both that night and then on the night of the walk. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. He said they were getting you know, they were ready to get back in the RV. I thought it was great that Alta uh, suggested they make a plate of big <laughs> food yeah. for, for Bigfoot. And I thought it, it was a pretty ballsy move on Chad's part to take that back out there after hearing that oh, noise. Yeah. For sure. You know, which I assume, you know, that noise was was made to to let them know that there was something in the woods that they probably should not mess with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the way the dogs took it from their reaction, it, it's definitely that's definitely what the signal was. Mm-hmm. So he took a chance going out there, but I've seen on Bigfoot shows, you know, where they leave food and things out for Bigfoot, but I never really have heard of a Bigfoot being so polite and uh, <laughs> picking the things off of the plate and not leaving a crumb. But I would imagine that guy was ready to probably get every morsel of that food and not waste any of it. And without, you know, since there weren't any crumbs and the plate wasn't knocked off or, or carried away, I, to me that really does say that that probably wasn't a bear and it probably mm-hmm. wasn't some type of rodent or a critter mm-hmm. because there there would have been there would have been other little specks of food around definitely with rodents different crumbs and a whole it sounded like a whole hot dog i don't know if it was a hot dog on a bun or not but uh you know an ant's not carrying that thing off right yeah, yeah so right. for sure so and then you know, I kind of thought, well, you know, maybe Bigfoot doesn't have a sweet tooth, right? Right. Because, you know, I mean, there's certain things in nature, uh, honey, for mm-hmm. instance, you know, who knows if, if Bigfoot is a, is a connoisseur of honey. But cinnamon is really, you know, and you said it, too, uh, cinnamon really probably i would almost think cinnamon in maybe its natural form could be almost a deterrent right for you know you might be able to sprinkle cinnamon around certain things and it would keep certain pests and things away from it because mm-hmm. of its odor and it's you know you're you're not really born liking the taste or maybe the smell of cinnamon mm-hmm. i think it's maybe more of an, an acquired taste mm-hmm. and so maybe the scent of that turned him off and that's why he didn't pick the, that item up, that jelly roll. Inter- yeah. Interesting. 
So I don't know. It would have been interesting. I I also thought, you know, if they would have left a napkin and maybe a knife and fork out there, if uh, maybe <laughs> he might have, <laughs> might have used that. So let's see where, where I'm at here. The second day, you know, they didn't really have a whole lot of interaction with, with a Bigfoot on their hike, but it did sound like uh, there was maybe one paralleling their hike, you know, mm-hmm off in the woods where he couldn't be seen. And I've, I've definitely heard of that before. Heavy footsteps, uh, you know, maybe being someone being trailed or, or paralleled by a Bigfoot. And then, uh, you know, like Alta said, she said she thought it sounded like women and children maybe having a conversation in the distance that definitely wasn't in English. And if you'll also recall, the uh, we had a conversation with a gentleman at the Bigfoot Festival who had that camping adventure with his girlfriend where he thought he heard someone yelling for their dog uh, while they were camping. He He said it sounded, you know, at first it sounded like a voice in the distance uh, that he couldn't really make out what they were saying, but it did sound like someone communicating vocally. And then as it got closer, you know, he, he determined that it wasn't, you know, a human speaking. And so we've, we've definitely heard about Bigfoot and kind of Bigfoot communications and conversations before. So, you know, that, that definitely lends some more credence to mm. to their story that and and a little bit of uniqueness to it as well that I thought was was really interesting. So those are the things that I kind of picked up on from their story that I thought was uh, that I thought was inter- interesting and also kind of uh, it, it all kind of made sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's great. Very insightful. Very insightful, yeah. man. Well, thank you for your uh, educated opinion, and uh, <laughs> we always it's good good to have you back to uh, be discuss your specialty subject. So, man, it's good to be back. I, I was really excited when when I heard you guys had this, and I and I hated to miss it, you know, while they were there. But it does sound like uh, you know Chad and Alta are are great friends and fans of the show and i would imagine with the the stories that they've got i think they've got some more so maybe i will get an opportunity in the future to to actually talk to them about this definitely also there uh there's uh, we heard rumor that maybe that you're going to provide a uh reading of your newly acquired bigfoot erotica uh, story collection, uh, maybe in a future Patreon episode. <laughs> yeah, I would love to. I would love to do that. Yeah, I did. I received uh, a, a short book. It's a. It's got three sh- short Bigfoot erotica stories in it, and they are graphic, and uh, they're they're somewhat humorous, and. Uh, I, I tell you what, yeah, it's 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 a it's it would make for an interesting read for sure. But yeah, uh, hide the kids on this one. 
<laughs> Hide the kids, get the lube out, get ready. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just Bigfoot erotica, it's Bigfoot homo erotica. All right. Wow. So All right. So a little extra element of fun there. Sure. So. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. All right. Well, yeah, we'll it, it, <laughs> you have more to good. say about the subject? <laughs> oh, no. I was just going to say what a pleasant surprise it was to get that book in the mail. I can always I, imagine. I didn't order it. It was uh, a good friend of mine. Just I guess he saw it and thought about me mm, and, of course. Uh, and had it surprised shipped to my house very so. very kind very kind yeah 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 now i'm gonna have to keep my eye out for bigfoot erotica to add to your collection <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure your wife is gonna love that yeah, this, <laughs> this, oh yeah this is opened up a whole new door dude <laughs> <laughs> thank you hope for coming on and uh yeah thank you guys sharing your Vast knowledge, man. I, you know, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have ever have thought about those things the way that you have described. It's, uh, it's good. It's really good, man. So, uh, yeah, thank you again. Thanks, fellas. All right, moving on to our next storyteller, Barry is Malcolm, who is the son of Brooke. You remember Brooke, who had lived in all the haunted places. And had uh, the really cool UFO, one of my favorite stories of the UFOs that we saw here. So, yeah, her son, uh, Malcolm, reached out to us, and he is going to share some of his stories and his side of and memories of those events that they shared growing up. So, so Malcolm, thank you for joining us. What's your weird story? I guess I'll start with um, something that, like, she had talked about, where she had talked about her dad's house so that's my grandpa's house and um i had never seen that shadow man that she talked about mm-hmm. but i do remember being distinctly terrified of that hallway like mm. like um i could not look down it like um without it being lit up and that was the same hallway that um we had caught the uh, evp that she had talked about. Oh. Right. And so you, you're the one who got the EVP, yeah? Yes. Okay. Cool. And remind us uh, again what you, the, that situation just, you know, because it was, that's great. Uh, I was recording it on my phone and um, like, like me and my sister, like, we're obsessed with like the ghost hunter shows and so we decided to do that. And um, we went like to like the far corner of the house and Went like, uh, is I don't remember if we said, is Grandma here or is Uncle Steve here? But then like, we like played it back, and um, there, like there was the no. Oh man! <laughs> it was it was a it was it was a friendly voice from what I understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now did you hear it whenever you asked the question or did you hear it only when you played it back only when we played it back wow man that is wild that is wild i don't know i, I don't know i don't know what i would do 
Yeah, that's wild. We tried again. Yeah, tried again. <laughs> that is that's crazy, man. So okay, so so this is um, that's you're definitely one of your the freaky moments, you know, of your ghost hunting. So you've done you're into this with you and your sister. Pretty, you like you said you like all the shows and like you know Ghost Bros, which is always the best because those guys are crazy. Um, but do, have you played? Have you done with more? Um, maybe not played, is it? But have you done more investigations or, or you know? I, I did a little bit, um, not a whole lot, like because like maybe that was something, right? <laughs> So is it the kind of thing where you you hear this voice and you it's awesome it's it's obviously that it says something to you and then over time you're kind of like well maybe that's not maybe I didn't hear that or maybe 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 these things are something I'm making up in my mind is that kind of what you where you're coming from Um it's more like before I jump to the it's paranormal it's I try and find like explanations for it like um like when uh the doors like were jiggling mm-hmm. at the airbnb mm-hmm. i immediately thought it was sleep paralysis because i've had sleep paralysis before so gotcha and so that's some more recent event with the uh the doors jiggling there yes that was it was it happened two or three times and yeah. The first time I really thought it was like the sleep paralysis. Then the second time I was awake, I was like, that's not, that's not sleep paralysis. Yeah, (laughs) that definitely is going to shift your perspective. I would, I would, I would assume. How long did that last? How long did they, they shake for? Like Uh, just a couple of seconds. Like, okay. Was it a kind of like, um, was it how, what was it like? Was it aggressive? Like was it like somebody trying to like really acting very you know hard to get in, or was it just like a very kind of light like normal like you're trying to open the door and it just won't turn or something? Yeah, it's like um, it's like when you go to open the door and it's locked and you're like, gosh dang it! Like I forgot my keys. Like, right, and you're just kind of like, yeah, but it's not like somebody's trying to bust the door down and you know to get to you or something like that. Which I guess it, that would be comforting. That it's a more tender ghost, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? A more tender spirit. That's just that's they're trying to reclaim their room. So, <laughs> speaking of Airbnb, um, she actually never told me about the incident in the basement, mm-hmm. and I I only learned about it by listening to your podcast. Oh wow! <laughs> that was a that's a that was a freaky one. Have you had now? Have you had any experiences that there that she hasn't also had? Have you? I mean, well, she. I mean, you told us about the the doorknob, but have you had other experiences there? Since that's the most recent focal point. Uh, not there, no. Like the the doorknob was the only thing, and then after I stopped locking it, it stopped. Oh, really? Interesting. Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I get another question. I guess do most of these events happen um, when you're there around your mom, or um, 
have you had it like elsewhere as well when she's not present? Um, I guess like yeah, I guess a lot of things did like would happen like with my mom nearby. Mm-hmm. Um, like at least like in the premises, mm-hmm. there was probably a few things when I was younger that um she wasn't there for, but more recently, it, definitely she was there. That seems like you, it seems like they like your mom. <laughs> right, they're drawn to her. We know that. Yeah, we know that one guy did. So, <laughs> tell us about that. Oh, the uh, the that oh, scary yeah. house that she didn't feel anything out in until much later on, and that but everybody else was like, you know, freaked out about. Tell us about that experience. Yeah. So. That apartment itself was like really cool, but like you were like always like terrified in it to be like alone, mm-hmm. and so like I was in like fourth grade I want to say, and um, I hated like being alone in that house and like like the living room, you felt like you had to like run through so that, like mm-hmm. and get to like like one of the three rooms at the the back of the apartment and then uh, I uh, whenever I was alone there like like I felt like I needed to like 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 just hide away and like we had these huge closets that like I, I brought like pillows and comforters into the closets and and um, uh, just like made like a little den in there and I was going to catechism at the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, I had a book about the saints that, like, I would just, like, read over and over. Wow. Like, um, Did that seem to work? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I remember we had a cross above the front door. Um that um, I really liked, but we ended up leaving it there. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully the uh, next tenant appreciates that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, I remember, I remember when the uh, investigation, like the, the paranormal crew came in mm-hmm. and, um, they told like there was this like window ledge across from my sister's room, my sister's uh, bed in her room, and she said that like the, the little girl just liked to hang out up there, and like that freaked me out because I liked to hang out up there. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no. Did you ever witness anything uh, up there while you were hanging out? No, but um, there there was like all these roofs outside the window, and I'm like, I was always like, kind of like, I bet I could reach those roofs, and like looking back, like, it's kind of like, why would why would a fourth grader think like I want to go play on the roofs? Like, yeah, so. yeah, that is a little bit of a. It's, 
I, I don't know. Maybe that there's some kind of influence there, but I don't know. That seems it. It seems like a, you know that definitely seems like it would be leading to potential danger. So and we and we we know that the uh, the man there uh, was trying to influence people away. So except for your mom, of course. So yeah, who knows, man? Or maybe the little girl wanted you to go play in the roofs, or who knows, man? Right. That's yeah, why she was. I know she was uh, from the bakery fire from next mm. door. Mm. Is that now? And, uh, how do you know that? Is that something that your mom or your sister had talked about? Yeah, like um, um, I think that we learned about it through the, the team right. that came. Right. Mm. And um, speaking of the team, um. I don't think my mom mentioned this, but right after they um, did the whole investigation at our, at our house, they broke up. Oh, really? Yeah, like they said, that, like like they were like they couldn't agree on anything anymore, and like and and, and uh, it's just like, they were just always get angry at each other. Wow. Huh. Now, were you there when so they were? Like, were they? Were they? Were you there when they were investigating? No, we um, we did like these like like little like preliminary interviews right beforehand, and that too, so they got a sense of what was going on, and then like uh, we left for the night. Okay. Mm. Wow. Mm, I want. I wonder if anything. If it was. I mean, now people obviously, you know, uh, can you know have disagreements and grow apart you know stuff like that you know um but i wonder if there was any kind of like uh any influence uh that outside or paranormal influence that made them kind of like at odds and, and split up how many places that have you lived with uh that have been haunted there's there's the house i grew up in mm-hmm. um which is the one that she talked about the the lady committing suicide in. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the that apartment. There's the the Airbnb. Um, there was like another one that that like like I had the basement room in, and it just kind of like like that was kind of like when like my sleep paralysis stuff ha- like started so I don't know what to like like which was that and which could have been paranormal what um so what describe your what happens to you when you when you get the, the sleep paralysis what what do you do you see anything or oh what? usually it's like Usually, like auditory hallucinations, um, but I have had one where it was I was being held down, and like something was like sitting on my chest, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, Pennywise the clown was sitting in my desk chair. Like that was <laughs> oh jeez, <laughs> oh man, that was, that was that one. Now, which Pennywise was it? The uh, Tim Bur- the, the new Tim, one, the Tim Curry one. The new one. Oh, the new one. Okay. You know, I honestly still think the Tim Curry one is scarier, but uh, that new one, the uh, the uh, 
what I think Skarsgård. I think that's his name. He's yeah. he was scary too. But yeah, that that so that would have been recent then that you had the uh, that experience. Yes. Man, that's wild. Yeah, that's the classic thing about the sleep paralysis that people feel the the weight on their chest and then they can't move. And what kind of things do you hear? You said you had the auditory kind of stuff. Um, usually it's like someone yelling and it'll like jerk me awake. I'm like, because like I think someone's yelling. So, ah. or, um, or like something fell and uh, I get up and nothing's fallen over. So, huh, interesting. Wow. So, but do you open your eyes when that happens, or do you, are you un- unable to open your eyes? Um, I think that because like it gets like kind of hazy, like right? Because like, like you're you're still dreaming, right? Like, you're like kind of you're aware of what's around you, so. right? I got you. I don't know that I've ever had that happen. The paralysis thing happen, but. Definitely have uh, been hovering in that state between sleep and uh, consciousness where you're just kind of, and I'll get that where you think you hear something, someone Mm -hmm. yell or something like that. I have had that happen to me before also, but I don't know what it is. That's wild. I don't know if I could, the paralysis thing would be scary. I think it's happened to me like once, but very briefly. Yeah. Um... And but like you know, I know most people that I've heard describe it. It feels like it's happening for, um, it feels like it's happening for a long time. Right. And they feel really helpless, and uh, especially when they have that the chest weight, the weight on the chest kind of thing. Right. Um. So, which I don't recall, but uh, but yeah, man, it's just a weird, it's a weird thing, you know, um. And would still, you know, I don't think they have a exact scientific explanation for it, um, other than you know your your brain starting to wake up faster than your body or something like that. Right, but right. you know, it doesn't explain away a lot of the other stuff. So, you know, who yeah. knows exactly? The house that I grew up in, which is the house that Lily um, killed herself in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I had like that shadow person, like my mom was explaining, because um, like like what like really struck me when she was talking about her shadow person was she's like it looked like a Frankenstein, and like I called mine Frankenstein. Oh like, wow! And like I was really little, I must have been like four or five. Wow! Wow! And, and that- he would stand in the. No, go ahead. Sorry. Um, he would stand in the doorway of um, my parents' room at the top of the stairs. And so, like, and I had to get past that to get to my room. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm getting goosebumps on that, man. That's <laughs> that's freaky. Well, this free, especially because, you know, you said you didn't see that, the shadow person at your grand, uh, your grandparents, where your mom and your, I guess, was it your cousins saw, saw it there? Yeah. But then you saw the almost the, what I mean could have been the same thing there, and you know I wonder if it's like I wonder if there's something that's like maybe attached to your mom or if it she is just this has some kind of energy that like 
you know, maybe she's like, a, you know, maybe your mom's like a, a radio that really gets good reception. And, <laughs> right, you know, right, right. You know, things start to appear and, you know, uh, manifest around her because, you know, whatever it is that she's able to do. And it seems like you probably have got some of it yourself. So if that's how it works, I don't know how it works. We don't, we're not the experts here we just like hearing we just like talk to people and, hear, and hearing this shit because it's right. awesome so right. <laughs> <laughs> and like i only ever stopped seeing like my frankenstein after like like it was like like one time i was just like i really have to get to my my room and but like i'm like paralyzed in fear at the top of the stairs and so i was just kind of like like i just it's like I'm not afraid of you anymore, and I ran, and I just never saw him again. Wow, that's powerful. That is, dude. And you never said anything to your mom about it until, and then you heard her talk about it, and that, and that's what reminded you of it. Or did you talk to her about that at any other time? I probably talked to her about it, like, um, like it was probably like when I was like that young, and she probably just kind of was like, oh, like kid stuff right um, right how, about about how old were you this at that time oh, um with the frankenstein i was probably like four or five wow, i was dude. oh wow really young that was really brave then for you to uh <laughs> can you tell it you're not to rebuke it to tell it you're not being scared that's that's crazy yeah man. yeah that's, that takes some some cojones yeah, sure does. You know, when you're that age. But that may also speak to why you never saw it again, because you overcame that fear, and it, maybe that was what it was feeding off of, too, you know? Yeah. That's, yeah. One of those, that's one of those weird things. That's crazy. Crazy in a cool way. That, yeah, yeah. That house also... Um, uh, I would hear, like, like breathing... Like I'd be like home alone and just like it's like downstairs just chilling and just like it's like and you could just swear you hear like someone like breathing like they're like they're sleeping like those like really heavy breaths. Oh, so. that's creepy. That is that's yeah. That, I've said but, this, but um, I've said this before, but like the the uh, disembodied vocal uh, stuff, auditory stuff, is one of the creepiest things about the hauntings, and and because I, I don't know, I mean, it's just like you know the you hear those stories about residual energies and sounds that just happen repeatedly over a certain amount of time, and there's nothing there to go along with it. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's just so strange to me. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Yeah. And, like, but, like, when you, like, kind of, like, hear about, like, how she died and, like, um, there would have been, like, a very deep sleep. Yeah. Right right before. And so. That's exactly what I was thinking. Hmm. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> I think what's also kind of crazy is like um, remember when um, I was probably around 10 like 
or nine or something like that when um i had a dream about that house and i had met the lady that had lived there and then um i'd always like 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 bugged my mom but like like what like what did she look like and um the the dream like her and my mom's description kind of matched up like just kind of like a like a uh, middle-aged lady like dark hair so that was always kind of crazy wow that is wild dude that is nuts i had a dream once of a guy that i never met before but he was a friend of a friend and i had described him in my dream and uh it sounded like the same guy, which is bizarre. I don't know how that happens, but it's it's wild. I mean, in a situation like that, I could see uh, maybe she revealed herself to you in some way. You know? Mm-hmm. That's wild. Was that house the most haunted? Was that the one where there's the most activity? Um, Probably, yeah. Like, the most activity, yeah. Interesting. Did you just sort of shut it off at a certain point, or maybe at that age you couldn't? Yeah, like, well, like I think that you just kind of like get used to get it, used like, to cause it right? especially like, like that was the house like I spent day one in, like right, right, day one to about when I was eleven. So yeah, so you probably didn't really know any different, right? Or a lot of it, except for the Frankenstein and, you know, yeah. Uh, which that, is, you knew that nobody was there when you heard the breathing, so. Which is a wild way yeah. to start your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true, man. Wow. That's true. Wow. Amazing. Uh, like, um, and on the subject about dreams, um, one that my mom was really telling me that I should share with you guys um, that I had a dream about um, my uncle who had died and um, I uh, he died when I was like two so I had never really known him and had a dream that uh, I was like a little baby and he was holding me but there were um leaves um like like scientific diagram type drawings of leaves in his arms and um then like like years after i had that dream um they told me that uh the way he had died was he had crashed his car into a tree and like the uh, the leaves greatly Whoa. resembled. Whoa! Wow. Whoa! That and like, is sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say like like and and he, one of his favorite things was like 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 holding us as as babies. Like he just loved holding yeah. us, and so that is intense, man. Did you tell your mom that you'd had that dream? Yeah. What did she think about it? She thinks it's like she's like she told me to tell you guys. So like, 
Golly. Does I mean, your that, mom give you a list of stuff that you're supposed to tell us? <laughs> no, like, um, there were so, like, just some things that, like, she was like, oh, yeah, like, be sure to tell them, like, about your experiences with this and stuff. Cool. cool. <laughs> wow. I know my mom told a story about UFO. I don't have a, as cool of a story about UFOs, but, um, just, uh, but, like, one time I was up at my dad's and he lives up in the Pacific Northwest and, um, and, uh, I was just laying there at night and, uh, looking out my window cause I could not fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And there's just like this, like, like ball of just orange light that just, just, just like crossed the sky. It had no tail. It didn't blink. Like it had like, and it was far too big to be a helicopter and if it was a helicopter, it was it would have been so low that I would have been able to hear it. Yeah, huh. wow. And it just, oh. it just went across the sky, and I I just never saw it again. And I was like, oh, what was that? Were you out now? Were you close to a city, or were you kind of out away from town? Or yeah, we are. I was so far away from town. Okay, out there. Wow, that's crazy. So it was pretty big. This pretty, pretty, yes, pretty big ball of light that you saw. Wow. Now that's a subject we've been interested in, especially with all the uh, the government coming out mm-hmm. and, and talking about the uh, UFO stuff has been pretty, pretty high on our list because, yeah. you know, I think it adds validity to these sightings that people have, yeah. and uh, something and that we've both seen. Yeah, we're Sorry, both. Man. No, we're both quite interested because he he and i have both seen something too so it's weird when you see something like that and it's not making any sound you know it's it's, you can't you can't put your finger on it you're like what is what could that possibly be in the realm of your scope of understanding you know what could Mm -hmm. that be and um sometimes sometimes you can't Go ahead. It couldn't have been like a comet or like a meteor or something like that because it had no tail. Right. right. That's the interesting thing to me that I was wondering because, you know, you, I mean, because I've seen comets and, and uh, meteors and they definitely do have that tail as they're burning up, you know, and they also right. typically, unless they're huge, don't go from the, one side of the sky, you know, to the other. And if they do, they, you know, if they're big ones like that, they'll like light up the sky, like a, you know, like a daytime. Um, but like, so yeah, that doesn't sound, you know, it sounds. I mean, by definition, you definitely saw a UFO, um, you know. But uh, what it was, you know, that's that's yeah. Did you man? I had your dad ever seen anything like that out there? Did you tell him about it? No, I never told him about it because okay. um, he's even more of a skeptic than I am. Right. So, understandably so. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. And man. it's a, it's yeah. It's not it's not bad to be a skeptic at all. No, you, know, you should. You be. have to have a good. Have, yeah. You yeah. Know, you should definitely yeah. have a, um, you know, apply critical thinking and you know, and not just you know, you know, you should weigh all aspects of everything and come to your own conclusions right you know about everything i mean that makes you a good well-rounded person so right that's my only qualm with some of these uh some of these uh haunting shows 
I think sometimes they're a little too quick to jump to conclusions, you know. I get it, you know. It's fun TV. I mean, and I enjoy it. My wife and I both enjoy those shows. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. Maybe you should vet that a little bit more. Because what, you yeah. know, cause sometimes what happens is that you're you're giving credit to things. And so the things that really do happen are, aren't, aren't necessarily as... Um, as uh, um, interesting, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's like if everything, if everything's a ghost, then, you know, then what's the real stuff? What's the real, you know, the really interesting stuff? So yeah, I think it's good. It's good to be, you know, skeptical about those things. And, and, and unless you see it or you experience it, then you can't really explain it to people. And that's why we do this show is so, you know, people can have a, uh, you know, a way to to hear these stories and also a way to tell these stories that they wouldn't normally tell. And I think what's kind of funny about the UFO thing is like that happened like just like just some random night where I was just looking up at the sky and now I'm super into like astronomy mm-hmm. and I am part of a, an astronomy club and I'm I'm out there with like my telescope a lot and like just because like I love like looking at the planets. Yeah. Um, and I've never seen anything weird after, after that. <laughs> <laughs> but you want to. It's like, come on, man. Where yeah, are you? That, it seems to be one of those things is that the harder you want to see something, especially when it comes to like the UFO phenomenon, um, it seems like the harder you want to see something, the more likely you're not. You know, right. the harder it is for it to, it's, it's, you know, it doesn't appear because like, the times I've seen stuff, whether they're, you know, I've seen a couple different types of things. Um, I wasn't expecting to see anything. Right. But also, um, you know, we're just like, it was just a moment of high strangeness all around. Because one time I saw something when I was talking about my friend seeing the same thing. And um, then another time I saw some, we, some my buddy, uh, uh, Dirk and I uh, were talking about what I saw, my the UFO that I saw, the first one I saw, and um, we saw some lights in the sky doing some crazy things. So it's like, I guess I need to be out in the country at night talking about UFOs for me to see them. Right. Maybe, that's, maybe that's a solution. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Also, that yeah. light pollution was way down out in the country. Right. You can see everything. Yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's why I asked. Yeah. That's why I asked because, you know, if you're in cities, not that that couldn't happen, but you got a lot more to deal with there. You got more air traffic and, you know, the light pollution like you talked about. You could get, be getting bounce, you know, light bouncing off of things and, and, and being out in the country, you don't you don't get that. You know, you get more of a pure sort of a view of the skies. Hello, Weirdsville. This is Desi from episodes 14, 25, and 67. I just want to say a huge congratulations to you guys on 100 episodes. You have put together something really special here, and I could not be more proud of you. And I'm so thrilled that you allowed me to be a small part of it. And I also want to say a huge thank you for giving us such a friendly and welcoming platform to share our stories 
and to hear from all the other weird civilians from around the world. So thank you and congratulations. Thank you, Malcolm, for coming on and sharing those uh, great, great stories. And uh, it's cool we can get another guest on from, you know, someone who's affiliated with a story from a previous episode to mm-hmm. corroborate some of the uh, some of the stories that are told. So very cool. Very cool. Thank yeah. you so much. Especially when it's like, you know, in the family, mother and son, you know, it's like when we had the two episodes where you, where you told your story about uh, the, the guy in the closet right. and the, you know, and uh, I can't remember what we fake named him, but yeah. uh, and then you had and we had Shane. Uh, come on to share his his part of the yeah. story as well. You know, it's, it's just cool to give that multifaceted, multi-angled uh, approach where people can see it, you know, right. and have it. But and how this how they tell the same and similar stories, just slightly differently. But you know, they still are along the same lines and yeah, like you said, corroborate each other. Right. So, well, I guess that leads us up to our our next and final guest who is no stranger to the What's Your Weird Story amalgam of interesting people. Yes. He's the one and only Sam. And this story that we're about to tell here, that he's about to tell, is absolutely... It's one of the best stories in his arsenal. And I think it's one of the best stories that we've had. It's great. Sam has had a lot of different hats in his career, his job, in his life as careers. Um, and maybe you can help me out with this. Is he's he's been a DJ? Uh, um, yeah, DJ, mm-hmm. uh, nightclub owner. Yeah, he's been a landlord. Uh, uh, a landlord, kind of, a, I guess, a bouncer slash bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a he's a, he was a pizza delivery guy. <laughs> That's definitely a pizza delivery guy. One of the kindest pizza yeah. delivery yeah. drivers. Also, you know, of course, he, he, he's an English professor. That's true. He's also a journalist. And yeah, a published this, writer. So, well, I guess self-published. Right. But yeah, that's still published. Yep. Right. Uh, but, yeah, Sam has worn many hats. And I, I think that, well, it's definitely one of the things that makes him as <laughs> one of the world's most interesting men. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, he, uh, he, he has a lot of experiences and even experiences that didn't quite come through for him, which is, is, is a story that we're about to hear, mm-hmm. uh, cr- have created great stories in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Sam got interested in, uh, I don't know, is it, this is not really a dark art you you couldn't call a more efficient a dark artist. He's not, he's not like a necromancer or a wizard trying to raise the dead. He's not doing anything like yeah. that. Not, not the dark arts. I guess he had chosen. He he was interested in pursuing a new career path. Yeah, yeah. As a mortician, and so. Sam is is uh, he's he's been kind enough to share you know an experience leading up to his enrollment, pre-enrollment when in mortuary school, and then I think he's also going to discuss some of his experiences during his enrollment in in mortuary school. So I can't wait for Sam to share them with you, the listeners of Weirdsville. 
So, Sam, what's your weird story? So, Sam, you went to at some point <laughs> after I after I moved, I guess. At some point, you <laughs> left Oklahoma and you went to Texas and you went into mortuary school. This is something that I did not even I didn't never heard of before. So, this is all new for me. Well, I I finished my second degree here at Southwestern and didn't know what to do next. And so I moved to Dallas to become a funeral director. And I went to school, graduated, got a degree, and lived a nice life as a funeral director. And that's the end of the story. No, wait. <laughs> I'm so lonely now. <laughs> uh, yeah, it didn't, it didn't quite happen so smoothly. Um. So, yeah, I'd, I'd finished my second degree up here. I didn't really know what to do. And I had thought about this for a while because I've, I've kind of grown up around blood and bodies and stuff. My, my parents were both EMTs in Mississippi. My mom would end up going on to run the ambulance service here before she became, well, while she was studying to be a nurse. Uh, middle school, one day I, I brought her a uh, dissection cat from university had her bring it into the school for like a, a middle school show and tell i was definitely a popular kid in school <laughs> here's the insides of a cat uh, <laughs> so i mean i i've been around a lot of weird stuff by the time i was in university and i, I honestly really didn't know what to do and and that just sounded like a, a very secure business you know people are always going to die and I decided that, you know, somebody's got to do it, man. Why not me? I think I could handle the idea of, like, helping people out through these, like, worst times, <laughs> helping people out through the worst times of their lives uh, in a compassionate manner and, and helping them deal with that sounded way more interesting to me than, I don't know, like, I, I've never been an office guy. I'm not a sit down kind of guy. And so that just, I was like, well, just give this a shot. So I had been trying, I guess, you gotta, God dang it. Uh, I mean, I guess it's in the book, so I, I guess it doesn't matter if I tell it here, but I had started off, I was like, I need to, I need to try this out. And I knew some people in Western Oklahoma that had studied at this school or other schools and they knew a, a mortician that would uh, allow them to come in and witness the event, the, the embalming, the you know preparation. So I've been trying for months to get in with this gentleman and I just so the time for up. months to, to get a date. With, with, uh, the dead, with, the, so, with, yes. with dead corpse. Okay. okay. The corpse, yeah. yeah. And but it, just, it just didn't work out, even though spring is the thawing season. I'd been busy with school, and I always had two or three jobs at any given time. And so it just, it just didn't work out. So finally, one, I believe it was a Sunday, I get a call. And before that... I'd been at the Seventh Street Lighthouse with my one of my roommates, Mr. Gabriel. And we'd been mowing the lawn and drinking, and there might have been a little bit of herbage, and that was feeling good. And we were going to go to a Walmart party that night because we knew. <laughs> okay, first of all, Seventh Street Lighthouse—that's that's, that's uh, where you lived, yeah. Mm -hmm. Where okay. you lived. Yeah, yeah, that's the house that. Yeah, where, where, where we all lived. Sandbox, 
Sam bought a house when he was like what, 18, 19, something like 19, that. Yeah. 19 years old. Sam bought a house, renovated it, and all that stuff. And at one point, several of us lived there with him. So that's, yeah, that's what it was called, the, the Seventh Street Lighthouse. So you were there. Since I was 10. So I was like, yeah, and my parents have been real estate agents, and we found some like really. Uh, in smart ways to like buy this on the super cheap because I was a university student and yeah, yeah it was just, it was nonsensical. Um, and so, yeah, we'd been mowing the lawn, hanging out. We're going to go to a Walmart party because Walmart farts, f- Walmart <laughs> folks are kind of clicky. And so they, they do <laughs> a lot true. of hanging out together. And so we, we knew a lot of the Walmart folks and, we were going to go hang out at one of their parties. I, I dated one of them. She eventually was a roommate after that. Uh, like we, we were well integrated into Walmart society. And like, hey, man, it's Sunday night. We got nothing better to do. I'm going to shower after I eat these mushrooms. And we'll go to this party. <laughs> I'm a psychonaut. And I get in the shower. I'm, I'm getting ready to get in the shower. And the phone rings. And Gabe answers. Dude, it's for you. All right, and this gentleman answers, gets on there. And he's like, "Yeah, um, so I have I have a client today. If you're not busy," and I'm like, "Oh, well." And I'm trying to think, like, how drunk, stoned am I, and how long ago did I eat those shrooms? It's like, well, I, man, I just mowed the lawn. I know we've been waiting months for this. Can I can I shower first? And it's like, yeah, yeah. So I shower, and. <laughs> Gabe is just like, dude, no, you can't. The you client's can't. not going anywhere. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is unreasonable. Like, yeah, I got this. <laughs> so I jump into my car, which at the time just happened to be a 1969 Pontiac Bonneville Hearse ambulance conversion. Well, Bonnie. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Absolutely appropriate. So I go down there and it's a Sunday and he's not open. So he's like, man, you got to. When you get there, knock on the garage door. Knock, knock on the air conditioner so I can hear you from the embalming room. I'm like, All right. <laughs> so I go down there. and Now, it's just been long enough that things are starting to kick off oh, internally. Boy. <laughs> so I park behind and I knock on the air conditioner. Okay, I'm like, nobody's answering. So I just like start pounding on it. Finally, the garage door rolls up, and like there's the caddy limo, the you know the hearse, and and just a bunch of disused gear. And he opens the door to the embalming lab. And says, All right, before you go in, you need to know something. And you know, I've done this with a lot of people, and a lot of people think they can handle this, and and. That's fine, you know, but a lot of people can't. And there's nothing embarrassing about it. If you're gonna get sick, just let me know and, and I'll get you a bucket, like we'll take care of you. It's just what you're gonna see in here, it's all natural, it's just you know, it's part of life. It's part of what happens when we die. And you know, there's nothing insane, nothing obscene in here. And so like, all right, I'll do this. All right, let's let's go for it. So we go inside and it's all just like surgical steel, shining, clean. And at this point, we're I'm just we're going <laughs> to we're, we're going to go with the words of Ninjalicious, the <laughs> fictional autobiography of Richard Lickman from here on out. <laughs> I mean, if I'm going to do this, we might as well get it right. <clears throat> so uh, swirling dead. 
chapter. Showered and hopefully ready for action, I slipped behind the wheel of my then 29-year-old Bonnie, cranked down the window and switched on her original single-speaker AM radio. Its crackle didn't aid my situation. The fungus was just beginning to take me away as I pulled up to Marvin's place of business. I was under its spell enough to be confused as to how to knock on the air conditioning unit of a funeral home. I gingerly tapped it a few times and then threw a few louder raps at it, hoping to overcome the roar of its fan as though I were Helen Keller visiting Jabba's palace at the beginning of Jedi. The two-car garage door rumbled up, revealing his Cadillac hearse, a stretched car, and a galaxy of half-used and unused funeral home paraphernalia tossed about on heavy metal shelves. The shadows made it difficult to focus. Marvin greeted me and issued an edict that later made me realize that I was losing yet another type of virginity altogether to someone who has popped more than a few of these particular cherries. We faced the metal door to the embalming. What you're going to see and do here today is unlike anything you've ever done before. What I do in there is a completely natural and necessary part of the process of life. A lot of people think that they can handle what they see on their first try, and many do. But there's no shame if you can't. You shouldn't be worried or embarrassed if you feel the need to be sick. Just let me know if you're going to be so we can handle it. Are you okay? I told him that I was, mustering all the (laughs) drug-fueled confidence I could. He opened the door, and I walked into a room that came close to driving me even crazier. Slab. By this time, the mushrooms were fully piloting my body's machine. To say that I was even a co-pilot in my own shell was to overestimate my role in the situation. The door opened to reveal a room of shining surgical steel and sharp distractions. In the midst of it all lay the body of a very shriveled, very dead, and very naked man. Time morphed into an indecipherable enemy. A dry erase board next to the door conflicted with the sterility and scientificness of the rest of the room. Marvin told me that he used the board to record any accidental sticks or transfer of fluids. Funeral directors take regular HIV-AIDS tests after embalming room accidents and need to know the possible source of the diseases on the off chance that they one day contract one. I never knew a dry erase board could be so morbid. Gored out of my head, I watched and assisted him with his work. An embalmer's work consists of tricking a piece of meat into looking and smelling not too unfresh for several days. This mostly involves the removal of quantities of bodily fluids, which, left unchecked, would hasten decay but begins with cleaning the body's outer husk. I had to head and shoulder the man's anus. (laughs) What? Hold on. (laughs) Just a little bit more detail exactly what you mean by you had the head and shoulder thing. <laughs> well, what's the first thing you do when you die? You piss and shape yourself. The muscles relax and everything exits. Death brings about the release of all your muscles currently and subconsciously tightened as you read this, or as you listen to this. I ensured, oops, I ensured that he slipped off in this mortal coil with a dander-free asshole. You're welcome, mysterious geezer. <laughs> I've only ever touched two buttholes in my life myself and whoever the hell that guy was (laughs) you missed it out Uh, (laughs) oh my god Morticians replace your bodily fluids with highly toxic chemicals, which stave off natural deta- <clears throat> highly toxic chemicals, which stave off natural 
Teacher Ray, what the fuck? <laughs> are the uh, are the, is the fungus kicking in again? Is yeah, I think so. <laughs> Flashback. Oh man! <laughs> if only we could talk to the writer to figure out what exactly is written. <laughs> I know. I don't Spell know. it. Well, the great philosopher Oral Roberts always said, you know, drink to think. <laughs> Was that red label? Yeah, that, that, that is a red. Oh, oh damn! Doing it, yeah. doing it, doing it, and doing it. All right, let's try this paragraph again. <laughs> Morticians replace your bodily fluids with highly toxic chemicals, which stave off natural deterioration for a short duration until interment or cremation. This fluid removal requires an 18-inch needle attached to a rubber hose running up to a vacuum device hidden in the ceiling. He jammed that metal monster into the man's chest well below his left rib cage. The needle needle has to hit all of the major areas containing fluid. Lungs, stomach, kidneys, heart. To get in all those areas, he has to jab it in and out and swivel the needle around. (laughs) It does not make for pleasant viewing. I held out well through this torture until ripples began emanating from the center of the man's chest and flowed out to the ends of his toes, fingers, and head. A fungus had me by the balls, and this was not the place to lose my shit. Good God, man. You're tripping <laughs> balls. <laughs> Jesus. Doing all this tripping balls, man. Oh, fuck. Marvin had medical, many surgical weapons. I was sure he wouldn't hesitate to use to put down this giant raving beast I rapidly found myself devolving into. Control and order must be maintained at all times. The more I focused, the more I lost it. <laughs> Richard, are you feeling okay? Marvin broke my foul concentration. A cold piece of man meat stared up at me. Nothing more, nothing less. No permanent damage had taken place. I would survive. No, I'm fine. Just got a little weirded out for a second, and I replied, tossing out the single biggest understatement of my life. (laughs) It's okay if you feel the need to be sick. No, it's past. Thank you, though. (laughs) Thankfully, he had mistaken my inability to divert my eyes from the hallucination taking place on his client as the onset of a bout of illness. I've never vomited on mushrooms without aggressive help from alcohol, and I wasn't about to start in this lonely, cold room. Dude, your eyes must have been so big during this. I mean, yeah, I I don't know how he didn't know something me was off. <laughs> I think that you know. Here's the thing. I think that there's been you know he as he does this for lots of people, probably for his own entertainment and you know cheap help. But, you know, he's probably seen so many people. One thing, when you're freaking out, when you're seeing something so bizarre and uncustomary like that, one of your natural reactions is for your to go quiet and your eyes get really big. Oh, yeah. You know, exactly. So it's going to look like what you're looking like, tripping balls. So, yeah, yeah. As long as I didn't open my mouth and express anything, I was okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gone with Wonder Movement. I just can't speak. Should should he look like the coast 
of a lake all around his body with the waves rippling. Wait, wait, no, no, no. Shh, 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 don't talk. Don't talk. <laughs> Just did stare. He come, did he come in with a lion head? <laughs> <laughs> did his testicles always look like leprechaun faces? <laughs> and when did he catch on fire? <laughs> that, that was when I decided this was going to be a cremation after all. <laughs> Facial. Embalmers begin their work outside to take care of the most pressing issues regarding hygiene. They then move inside in their attempt to stave off the effects of death for as long as necessary. Finally, return to the outside to work on aesthetics. Shampooed and filled with toxic chemicals, we now had to focus on putting his face in order. He told me we'd covered the basics that day. He'd take care of the cosmetics later. What followed surely would have damaged my soul, even if I hadn't been two dimensions removed from our own parcel of time and space. There's certain basics to cover. The complexities rise in difficulty with age. To do this job properly, the deceased lips and eyes must be shut. I guess, you know, children don't want to see Grandpa staring at them from the casket. Yeah. Um, I don't think many, you know, adults want to see eyeballs staring from the casket, regardless of children. Children actually would probably have less of a problem with a dead body looking at them than it, than adults would, you know, having their, you know, dearly d- grandma over here just, you know, and her peepers and pearls smiling at you just like she was normal. I think that would be more disconcerting to a grown-up because a little kid would probably just try to talk to him. If I wasn't being cremated, I'd be full-on taxidermied in, like, some grotesque position. And and I would demand that, like, all of my friends bring their children to view it, too. <laughs> <laughs> just as long as it left – you left – as long as you had pants on, I would be okay with that. Hot, do hot <laughs> pants count? Daisy Dukes? Yeah. Come on, baby, kick them daisies. Look at Dad Sam with his Daisy Dukes song. Look at Dad Sam with his Daisy Dukes song. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, what state of undress would you allow your child to view Sam in? <laughs> As a corpse. I don't know. Daisy Duke should be fine. As a corpse. <laughs> I don't know about his, I don't know I don't know about his dead dick sitting out though. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe yeah. if it stayed coiled in some pink right. pants. Yeah, Daisy Dukes are fine. A bulge is okay. even okay because you know the kids think that's funny. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How old are your kids? Mine are 17, 18, and 21, so oh, we're, yeah, 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 we're, we're far true. past, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're yeah, far yeah. past, but still, you yeah. don't want to be seeing all yeah. that beast. Oh, for know, sure, so. for sure. <laughs> this guy I talked to I, on the radio a few times. We're going to look at his weirdly postured corpse that may or may not be <laughs> 80 to 90-ish percent covered. <laughs> I, well, you're going to eat it. I, I believe we will somehow meet. Yeah. I yeah. Chip out. Yeah. For you sure. You have to get up sure. there to his brewery, dude. Yeah. 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 We need, we'll we'll do a road trip, Sam. If, yeah, if we can. To, love to have you. Yeah. Well, if we it wasn't for the there. Corona apocalypse. Yeah. No shit. Three months. Yeah. So, 
Right, so I, I, I digress. So to do the job properly, the deceased lips and eyes must be shut. Although according to movies, this is incorrect. In reality, your bowels release and your mouth and your eye would suddenly fail to respond as you would assume upon your demise. Old movies indicating that the first action of a dead person is to shut their eyes, lie to the public, and ignore the evacuating bowels and open eyes, not to mention the bloodless gunshot wounds in some of my favorite classic westerns. <clears throat> The confusion and displeasure lie in how morticians accomplish these feats. Closing the eyes of the dead looked simple enough on the surface. Marvin had special contact lenses that could very well have been cut off the end of condoms dotted for her pleasure. The bumps supposedly hold the eyelids shut. They didn't that day. He whipped out a tiny, crusty bottle of superglue to fix the lids to the lenses. It took a spurt or two, but he finally got that poor old guy's eyes to shut for the last time. The man's mouth turned out to be a different story altogether. It refused to stay closed on its own accord, and even defied his strongest adhesives, which once claimed to attach construction workers' helmets beneath high-rise I-beams at death-defying heights. The man had not a single tooth left in his head. So Marvin resorted to a magical mortuary tool which shoots spiked anchors into the gums. A string tied around the tiny post sticking out of the upper and lower gums holds the mouth shut. But the man's gums wouldn't take to the anchors. I had to watch while suppressing my freak out as he repeatedly jammed his gun-like device in the man's mouth and failed attempt after failed attempt to get an answer to uh, an anchor to stink. Kajunk! 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 It was a maddening, echoing sound in that little sterile room. And what At any man- point. Sorry, at any point during this, did did yeah. Marvin turn yeah. into like, you know, a oh, Cenobite yeah. Hellraiser type? <laughs> I'm amazed. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't I don't usually see stuff. So that actually that would have freaked me out because that would have been a rare. I mean, the skin moving in waves was about as intense as I ever get. OK, you know, I, like our our, our uh, a good. A friend we had in common used to talk to Smurfs and trees, and unlike her, I've never seen that. Yeah, I'd, you know, a few little tricks in the mind, but that's about it. No, no, nothing ever full on. Like, oh my God, you're suddenly in a Halloween costume. What's that all about? <laughs> oh, just chunk and chunk. So after what might have been his tenth try, an anchor gripped his lower gums. He got the second anchor in slightly quicker and twisted a string between them. A few drops of super glue permanently sealed his lips with a surety that would impress the CIA. Thus ended my first professional organized experience with a corpse. I thanked Marvin profusely, got in my car, and sped home where Gabe was waiting to hear the details or just to make sure I hadn't gotten myself locked up in the loony bin or jail. After having survived the whole experience <laughs> so entirely out of my mind, I realized that if I could handle it under such extreme circumstances, then I could certainly handle it on a day-to-day basis when I'm less likely to be screwed up on hallucinogenic drugs. Therefore, I decided to move to Dallas and enroll at the Dallas Institute of Funeral <laughs> Science. The Dallas Institute of what the hell? I didn't last a full quarter of the Dallas Institute of Funeral Science. It's not because the work was too difficult or disgusting. It was because it got too weird, even by my lax standards. This all takes place when I had really long hair, almost down on my arse it was. The school informed me during an couldn't force me to cut it. They requested that I wore it above my shoulders for class. 
as I got to know some of my female classmates, they made a game of putting my hair up in the strangest manner possible each morning in the school's parking lot. Depending on what tools we had at our disposal, some days I donned a Princess Leia. Other days I walked into my first class with a sloppy pile of hair precariously mounted on the top of my head. We did a scorpion tail one day where a girl braided my hair and then flipped it forward, pinning it to the front of my head. It was a silly game for a silly school which trained people to do very serious work. We composed a strange collection of students, one of the truer versions of America's idea of a melting pot. Age 18 and 55, in a rainbow of colors. We were one of the most disturbed pools of individuals with which I've ever come into contact. Our classroom held more than 50 people, and we filled it. I quickly recognized the three groups into which they fell. People who grew up in family funeral homes looking to become state certified, licensed people looking for another credential, or the minority I belong to, people with no funeral home history looking to get in the game. On one of my very first days of class, the administration felt the need to issue a 20-minute warning about the neighborhood in which our institution was located. We were morticians in the hood. <laughs> they spent this time warning us about stereo burglaries, carjackings and pistol whippings, but then had the gall to warn us against packing our own pieces in self-defense as a pistol, shotgun, and SKS with a 30-round clip sat beneath the captain's chair of my van during this insipid speech. Who ever heard of a Texan discouraging folks from arming themselves? Of course, as I write this, the state recently passed an open carry law. So as I write this, is like six, seven years old. Um, classes began in the morning and ran until lunch. Our teachers passed through our single classroom throughout the morning. Most were okay, if not a little on the boring side, as the first two quarters focused on the business aspects of running a funeral home. Coming in with a bachelor's under my belt, I was able to skip the first quarter's coursework. <clears throat> Alan was the teacher nobody could stand. Lanky and pasty, he was responsible for implementing a seating chart, but that's not why we didn't like him. We required assigned seating in a bad way. Some of my female classmates, our student body was roughly 60-40 male-female, were bruisers. A morning would be progressing nicely enough as we fought to stay awake in the middle of the lecture, and then out of nowhere, BAM! Two of the women would start slugging out in front of us and our teacher. <laughs> they never explained the reasons for their mid-class explosive outburst. The fights rarely involved the same two women. They were all apparently batshit crazy. Allie McBeal was the reason we didn't like Alan. The show featuring a cast of anorexic women experiencing multiple dream sequences was in its second season. Robert, ja Robert Downey Jr. would spend the next decade trying to make up for this crap fest of a show before he played Tony Stark for the first time. But Alan loved it to the point that he based our classes on it. What? We quickly deduced, yes, we quickly deduced what was going on and took turns buying TV Guide each week. If that Monday night's episode was new and good, then we had an easy day in class on Tuesday. If the show was a rerun, we could usually expect a rough day. We mainly worried about repeats of bad episodes, which guaranteed difficult quizzes. He was a sad man. Wow. That's... I mean, yeah. It was... Wow. You're, you're, something that's so 
it, it requires so much respect and concentration. And, and you know, I said I watched women fist fight each other in class, and and this guy who somehow based his difficulties on Ally McBeal. <laughs> Dallas is weird. So, so many questions. Yeah, Dallas is weird. Okay, so first of all, how often did the the the, the fist fights happen? At least once a week. <laughs> wow! Never, never a dude. That's crazy. And it and props to the women for not being like the stereotypical like Jerry Springer sluts. These girls were bringing it with fisticuffs. <laughs> there wasn't any of that like shitty. I'm gonna pull your hair and slap you. I'm gonna beat the crap out of you, bitch. <laughs> like, they were going for it. I. I don't know what they were fighting over. Like none of this ever made a lick of sense. But man, they went after it, and you gotta respect the game. Yeah, right? they yeah. they went for it. It was better than a lot of boxing matches on at the time. That's funny. Dude, so so these weren't like your uh, your stereotypical like goth chicks who love Tim Burton movies and and uh, and and you know. It, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac comics by uh, the guy did you know uh, those not not those girls these are surface wise no I mean surface wise I was the as per the norm I was about the you know the weirdest person there no these are all like if you didn't see them beating the crap out of each other and throwing desk aside they were all very normal respectable looking women and the guys too yeah I just. So you were the class creep. There wasn't anybody like I figured. Like this would be like, you know, you would be relatively normal because everybody else would be. I mean, I've the funeral directors that I've known or met or morticians rather, all have a certain kind of. They're. I mean, they like dark stuff. They like, you know, you know, gothy stuff or or like true crime or. You know, they like that side of, they like the inside of life. They like the very, they like the death side of life and the dark type stuff. And that's totally cool because they're cool people. And they usually have really great senses of humor as well. But like, this is just like, you're, this wasn't, I, this is what I'm thinking. Like, I'm, you know, thinking like, you know, two Helen Bonham Carters going at it in class. Yeah, no, normal looking people outwardly. And that, that. That was the thing, man. You know, don't don't judge a book by its cover. Outwardly, I was definitely the strangest person there by a country mile. And again, I mean, I'm tall and I have long hair, but that's it. I don't have any tattoos. I've never had a piercing for more than one drunken evening. You know, I I am. If if you cut the hair down, I'm a fairly normalish looking dude. Granted, I had a lot of Hawaiian shirts and stuff, but you know, I don't. I didn't wear t-shirts there. You know, I, I look halfway normal clothes wise. Um, and and I'm a very studious guy. I mean, I I love studying stuff. I was in honors classes before AP was a thing. And like I was into the whole accounting stuff that we were studying, like the business side of this fascinated me. I I enjoyed the the teachers that took the classwork seriously. I was into man, uh, but the the people around me, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a distraction. It wasn't you know some white dude with dreadlocks over there smelling like ganj or something. It was chicks fighting in class. <laughs> <laughs> it was a prison scene. That's funny. So yeah, it, it was 
Yeah, I was coming into this because of everything, again, maybe for another episode. Uh, I was coming into this from my night job. I, I was working throughout the nights with the other business, and I'd found a, a bar down the street where the Texas Instrument kids go hang out at between shifts or after shifts. So I was having like booze and uh, food, like they had booze and uh, breakfast there specials and stuff so I, I was getting drunk before some of these classes about a, you know, a few weeks to a month into it because i was just like this is all nonsense <laughs> this is all complete shite that's funny and so yeah I, I need to have like a healthy alcohol level to come in here and deal with the insanity of it all right um but again even though yeah i might have been drunk in class but i still took it seriously sure yeah and, right <laughs> But it's hard to take things seriously when there's just like fists. That's so crazy. That's really not yes. a spot. That's not a spot where you'd where you'd think that there'd be a lot of fights in mortician school. You'd yeah. think it'd be pretty bucked yes. up. So did you make it all through school? Did you make it? Hell through? no. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, Dallas. My my six months in Dallas ended up being a crap show of epic proportions. I uh, ended up being a bodyguard slash pseudo pimp or, or as jammies would come to call it sue pimp uh i was partially working doing like lighting systems for raves with my then business partner okay i was trying to go to the school which did not work out at all in the most horrific ways it did not work out so i <laughs> i ended up uh developing like a, a good old-fashioned case of Bell's palsy where my eye was just like trying to tap out Morse code, wishing it could escape my face. <laughs> uh, and moved back to Oklahoma like in late March that year with my tail between my legs, van full of stuff, a broken wrist. Yeah, it was in Dallas. Dicktown was not pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I've had cities that are that abuse on me. And I've known not to stick around. Hey, this is Jeremiah Kinnison. You might remember me from such hits as episode 82, King of All Penguins. Or maybe you were listening even further back than that. And you might remember the Halloween special. I want to give a big fat fucking congratulations to what's your weird story on hitting episode 100 y'all killing it hey man did i ever tell you about this recent thing that happened to me i was driving around in the country and it was just after dusk so there's a little bit of light still coming on out of the sky but it was mostly dark i saw this black school bus. I don't think I've ever heard this. Okay, so I saw this black school bus. All the windows were tinted, and it started following me for about 15 minutes. Whoa. No. Yeah. What, what did you do? I was at work. I was making deliveries, and I just kept making my deliveries, and like it would even stop and wait for me. Oh. And <laughs> yeah, this but it was never close enough to where I could see it or anything, but it was following me, man. Wow. Dang. That's just an example of another really weird story that happened to me and that could have happened to you. You don't have to have a UFO encounter. You don't have to have seen the ghost of your grandmother. You don't have to know what Bigfoot smells like to have had a weird story. 
Basically, what we're saying is Weird covers a lot of ground here on the What's Your Weird Story podcast. And we love hearing all of your stories, whether they're spooky, they're funny, they're bizarre, or they're just short, sweet, and unexplained. Kind of like our podcast. Well, hello there. This is Emily from Episode 9, Cuckoo Banana Pants. Just calling to say congratulations on 100 episodes. I'm so wicked proud of you guys. And also, you know, slightly terrified to still listen by myself. Thank you again for 100 episodes of bringing some truly weird shit to us. And I'm very excited for the next 100. So, yeah, I mean, so let's just say right now, uh, if you're tripping balls, uh, <laughs> witnessing someone being prepared for death may not be on the top 10 list of things to do for me personally. Yeah. Or even somebody who's being prepared for after death as they've already died. And <laughs> well, that too, that's but, what look, I meant. Preparing, being prepared for death is also, <laughs> that's what I, I wouldn't want to be experiencing that on acid <laughs> or anything really. So. Maybe I'm on acid right now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I am. Once I listened to that story, man, that was a great yeah, story, man. man. How great is that story, man? I love it. dude. It's one of my favorites that he's shared for sure. It really is an, an, an awesome story. I can't even, uh, imagine being at home, dosing himself as he did, and then getting that call Ugh. and saying yes. Saying yes. I'll be there. Yeah. 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 Just put it off a day or two. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Next time. I'm busy. Yeah. I'm washing my hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Sam is the guy who would go, he would, he would take his car out in the country he would he would dose himself and then he would just go and get lost like he would leave his car oh, and he would walk off and walk around and he would just have a camera and maybe probably his little journal or something in a backpack and just walk around and would be gone for any indeterminate amount of time he didn't right. he would, i don't think he'd tell anybody what he's doing he would just do it right and you know so it's like who knows what he's what other adventures he's had while, you know, doing just random crazy <laughs> shit on acid, because we know that he's had lots of adventures on acid. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> well, I'm glad we got, acid I'm glad we got this, we got this one on tape. So, right. I'm happy right. for that. This one is documented. <laughs> so don't worry. We're going to have Sam back. Uh, you can count on that. So yeah, thank you, Woo. Sam. Thank you for coming on and yeah, Sam. Help, you know, helping helping celebrate our hundredth now our hundred first episode. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thanks, buddy, and thank you, everybody. Uh, thank you know, thank you to Chad and Alta. Thank you to Malcolm. Thank you to all of our friends who called in and left us those great messages. Thank you to everybody at home listening and who's been supporting and. Um, Everybody who's been on, you know, as a guest, and our good friend and uh, special correspondent and resident Bigfoot expert and voice of the listener, Mr. Jeff Hubbard, thank you for being here. Thank you, Barry, for being here because hey, it makes it a lot easier. Thank you for being here. Well, thank, thank you for thanking me. 
<laughs> We're thankful. Yeah, I, I do want to thank both you guys for all the work that you've done. And I, I really do appreciate you guys inviting me in to be, you know, a small part of this uh, with you guys. And and I don't know if I've said it before, but, you know, I'm, I'm on the text chain with you guys uh, when you're when you're planning interviews, when you're planning your editing and you guys work so well together and you know from a guy on the inside that kind of sees you guys doing this i i know it's a lot of work but i know it's a labor of love for you guys and i do just want to say uh great job and uh congratulations on a hundred episodes i think it's it's unbelievable thank you man appreciate Thanks, that um, yeah appreciate well we're happy that. to have yeah. you. we're happy that you know we were able to make this work and have you come on and uh you know we know how busy you get and yeah. time has flown by really i mean it's just like seems yeah. like we just started this thing so to be this far into it is exciting and it um it really is it's fulfilling and we have fun with it and uh yeah it is it is work but it's also you know something that we love to do and and i hope hopefully that comes across and we've tried these past couple episodes to celebrate that and give you guys something special and um yeah. you know hang in there with us and you know we, we promise we'll get better and uh you know keep this thing going so yep yep we've got plenty of stuff lined up for you here in the near future and all sorts of cool stuff we've got uh we're going to be starting a patreon and uh we wanted to wait a little while before we got into that but um, that will help us take care of uh just operations here on uh the, the on the podcast the regular show is always going to be free but we you know we have expenses getting this show to you so that will be you know if anybody wants to help out on the patreon which will be up within the next week or so we'll have that there um so keep an eye out on your social media that you follow us on you should follow us on if you don't instagram and twitter and facebook and all that stuff I think we're even on Reddit now. I think uh, our friend Bobby from a couple episodes for episode 99, she's helping us out on Reddit because uh, Barry and I are old guys who don't understand how that works. So <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So we've got a lot of good, we got a lot of things planned. We, you know, we want to do a lot of special episodes and side episodes, you know, and uh, it's just, you know, we're trying to get things uh, on track to make those happen we put a lot of work we've been working on episode 100 for months now to be honest with you and like i said in, a, in our introduction of our first episode we wanted to have um one of our first ideas to do our 100th episode was to have, try to get wayne cohen from the flaming lips on and uh, jeff was actually the one who got us the closest into uh, almost landing uh wayne as a guest so you know he's the one who passed my information on to a friend of a friend of a friend so yeah so or actually less than that just a friend but um thank you hub for that you know maybe uh we get we'll get Wayne to come on later you know after he's uh listened to a few of the episodes or something i don't know <laughs> <laughs> come anyway, on Wayne. anyway I'm, I'm rambling here it's the end of the party um, I've had a little bit uh, too much hot cocoa, and uh, I've just you know I'm, I, I've got the the talk. So thank you everyone for listening. Join us next week when we speak to Violet Gain, who is a member of the 
Cutthroat Freak Show crew, and uh, she's got some really cool stories um, about some uh, about UFOs and yeah. aliens and stuff. Yeah, so cool, cool stuff. It's really cool stuff. Really cool stuff. So we'll see you next week. Be safe. Be weird. As always, if you have a weird story, we want to hear it. If you have a lot of them, we want to hear them all. We can't do this podcast without your invaluable contributions. Whether it's sharing your stories, listening, rating, and spreading the word about the podcast. Thanks for listening. Till next time, be safe. Be weird. The stories presented on the What's Your Weird Story podcast are, to our knowledge, true experiences that our guests have had. We can't take the time to research all claims made, and besides, it's just not as fun.